Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. And I don't know about you, but speaking of my lovely bride, my lovely wife, I have a poem. Anna, do you hear me? Do you hear me, Anna? And, and, and some of you have heard me share this poem before. It says, uh, uh, did you know, Anna, that God created you for me to love? He picked you out from all the rest because he knew I'd love you best. I had a heart and it was true, but now it's gone from me to you. Take care of it as I have done, for you have two and I have none. If I get to heaven before you're there, I'll carve your name on a golden stair. Amen? And I'll keep going, amen? But do you guys, do you men have a poem like that? For your woman? If not, you better get busy. <laughs> or at least buy a Hallmark card. Alright? Get get busy. Amen. Amen. That's a, that's a uh, that's another story. I won't even go into that poem, but I share that one with my wife so many times that my daughters all know it. My daughters can all recite that poem by heart. So the main thing here is that I want to get back to our series Happily Ever After. We started this and asked the question, can we live a life where we can be happily ever after? Is it possible? Yes, yes it is possible. Amen? Amen? It's possible. And here's why it's possible. Here's this book, the B-I-B-L-E. And in English, it stands for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Right? This is your owner's manual. How, how many know that when you buy something, there's an owner's manual? If you've ever bought a car... There's an owner's manual that comes with it in the glove box. And there's an owner's manual that tells you recommended recommendations, uh, maintenance, and so forth that you need to do to take care of your car. That's a manual that's meant for you to be able to uh, take care of that vehicle so that it will last you for a long, long time. Not just a year or two years. In the same way, we have this manual here, but how many of us seriously look at this manual for our relationships how many think that we can do it on our own that i've got this and it goes back to the song that we were singing that last song lord i need you i need you this very hour i need you this very day i don't know about you but or if you realize this but each of you need god in your relationships you cannot do it without god and our world has taught us that our world has shown us society that first marriages end in a, there's a 50% divorce rate. Second marriages, there's a 67% chance of a divorce rate. Third marriages, it's at 76% chance that you will be divorced. We won't even go into fourth and fifth marriages. You, you know how most of, those, most of those end up in divorce. So, so what I'm saying is the odds are stacked against you. In fact, for first-time marriages, when I do premarital uh, counseling, I flip a coin. I go, here, call it. Because that's the chances you have of your marriage being successful if, unless you use these principles here that are used in God's Word. If you use these principles, those odds now become much greater in your favor. Right now... The world, society says, no, the odds are against you. It's actually a little bit higher than 50% now, closer to 60% of marriages that end up in divorce. Now, that's a sad, sad realization, a statistic. That's the society that we live in. Now, this morning, again, 
I want to come or uh, make sure that you're following this manual. It's it's for your life. It's for your relationships, as as well as marriage, as well as uh, your job, as well as being a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, an uncle, an aunt, whatever you may be. This is right here your guideline, and when you follow this guideline, your your chances for a lifetime relationship. When you're married, a love for a lifetime greatly increased. How many want to have a love for a lifetime relationship? Yes. It's found throughout the Bible how to do that. And again, uh, let's lift our hands here. Those who have been married more than 20 years. Raise your hand if you've been married more than 20 years. Right? 30 years? Raise your hand. Ooh, it's dwindling down. 40 years? Oh, now it's just one couple. 50 years? Yeah, look at this. Two couples right here. 50 years, and then... Almost 60 years for my parents. I know it'll be almost 60 years. Oh, it is 60 years. What am I saying? Wow. 60 years. And I point that out because they're a great example to their children. They're a great example of modeling what works. Now, was that a perfect, perfect relationship? No, because none of us have perfect relationships. None of us do. As much as uh, they've been together for 60 years... They, if you talk to them, they'll tell you there were times, there were times, it was a struggle. And I'm sure a lot of it was when we were kids, when the kids were young, when there's a lot of pressures, there's a lot of stress, maybe two jobs for my dad, maybe a jo- my mom's a full-time work. you know, there's a lot of stress out there. And then financially, we, we discovered last week, I mentioned that finances are the number one issue for breakup. People can't agree on finances. Let's get that straight right now. Don't don't let anything come between you and your spouse. Finances, uh, cars, vehicles, homes, your children, nothing comes between you and your spouse. Only God. It's God first, then your spouse, then your children. Let me repeat that again. It's God first, then your spouse, then your children. If you are putting your children above your spouse, you got it wrong. And your marriage is going to suffer because of that. I'm telling you right now. Amen? How many agree with that? Yes. Now, we discovered last week in part one that the words of Jesus tell us that we must make love a verb, not a noun. We must make love a verb, not a noun. We must make love an action. Action. Amen? How many men here still open their door for their lovely wife? There's some true gentlemen out here. Okay, I just convicted. I just convicted a bunch of guys in here. And guess what they're going to do today? They're going to open the door for their wife today. When they get out in the car, they're going to say, Honey, I got this. And they're going to open the door. Amen. You should do that. And you shouldn't just do it today so that Pastor Rick sees you leaving like that. No. You should be doing that because you're a gentleman. I will always remember Brother Ed opening the door for Mother Betty every single time. Not just once, not just twice. It was here. It was at Bible studies at my house on Wednesday nights when they would leave. He'd always open the door. Uh, I mean, if you can't learn from that gentleman, men here, you're not going to learn. Because he showed her how to be a true husband, how, a true man is what, a, what he truly did. So again, we must be men of action. Women as well. We must be women of action. Love is a verb. Amen? So here's here's what the Bible says. And we're going to read that 
um, scripture verse again, two verses found in John chapter 13. And if you would mind standing with me for the reading of these two verses, found in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. And the following words are declared by Jesus. He says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we can still be instructed today by your Holy Spirit. That your Holy Spirit speaks to us, Lord, every day. It speaks to us truth. It speaks to us revelation. It speaks to us anointing, Father. And I pray right now, give us ears to hear your word, especially for every married couple. Those single and eventually going to be married Lord, I pray, help them to understand what your word declares, so when that day comes, they know what to be looking for. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. So, what, what was the new command he was giving them? What Jesus said, you know, we all knew that we were supposed to love one another, but what Jesus was saying is, are you loving me or, or loving one another sacrificially? Yes. Meaning looking the other way, turning the other cheek. You know, that's difficult sometimes, right? It, it's easy to say, yeah, I love you. But the minute that person does something against you, then you, then you turn your, your cheek or, or, or want to exact revenge, right? That's our human nature. That's what we can tend to do. But Jesus is stepping in and saying, hey, no. I want you to love one another, look past those issues that bring hurt to you. Amen? Amen. You know, and I'll say this again. I said it last week, and here's the key to staying in love again. It's not finding the right person. Say that with me, especially you single people here today. It's not finding the right person. It's not finding the right person. Including you married people. Okay. It's finding someone who's committed to becoming the right person in Christ while you work to become the right person in Christ. Yes. When you can have those two in balance, you will have met the perfect person for you. Does that make sense? Do you see it now how it works, those of you that have been married now yes. for any length of time? And uh, having said that, when we're married any length of time, this is what happens. And, and how many... Like last week, how many have looked at model homes before? You looked at model homes, brand new homes? And, and when, you're, when you meet that right person, you know, those two that are committed together and growing in Christ, and she's so beautiful, and she can say nothing wrong, and just the sound of her voice, it's just, it's a melody that you can hear all day long, and then she says, oh man, that voice on that phone sounds so sexy when you talk to me, it sounds so manly, and, and, and it's just going back and forth, and, and you guys... Nothing can be said that would, that would tear apart that, that love for each other, right? That's kind of like when you walk into a brand new model home and everything looks good. And so, let's, let's see that picture of that model home. See, that, that's what marriage looks like, right? That relationship. When we first meet our wife or our spouse, our husband, and, and everything looks great. And then we get married, and then reality hits... And we realize, wait, I married a fixer-upper. This person brought a lot of baggage that I wasn't aware of. 
I didn't know this person had an anger issue or issues that were unresolved from 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Guess what? That's life. That's life. That happens to all of us. And what society tells people is, you don't have to put up with that. Leave. Go find yourself a model home. Go find yourself a model home. You don't need to put up with that. And as believers, when we committed to one another, it wasn't just a commitment to our spouse. It was a commitment, a covenant under God. Yes. And he's expecting every one of us to honor that. Amen? Amen. So regardless of what your home looks like or your relationship looks like, he wants you to work on it. You can change that back into a model home. Amen. You can change that so that it will look like this. How many have had relationships like that that know what I'm talking about, right? And you don't have to go public with that. Maybe your first relationship or your, your, when you first started out was like that fixer-upper. But now it's so much better. Amen. It's so much better. Amen? Amen? Just keep that in mind. I want to uh, read another scripture for you. Found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. It says the following. I believe it's on your outline. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Let me stop right there. Does that sound like your relationship? With your spouse? With your fiancé? Does that sound like your relationship? That's what the manual here, the B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, that's what the Bible is telling us our relationship should, should be with each other. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, again, I get it. There's no perfect relationship. Everybody say that with me. There's no perfect relationship. Let's get that out of the way right now. Pastor Rick doesn't have a perfect relationship, but I know that what I'm to work on. My wife, Anna, knows what to work on. And together, as we work on them to be the person Christ wants us to be, uh, here, here's God, and as we both aim towards Him, and we go together, it draws us closer together. When only one of you is doing that, you're going to have an unbalanced relationship. And I'm telling you right now, you can live a blessed relationship and have a love for a lifetime relationship with your spouse. But it takes work. It takes work, all right? There's no way around that. I have another scripture for you. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read a few of the verses and, and kind of just break it down for us this morning. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Amen. Are you laying down your selfishness and putting your spouse above you? That, that really is the epitome of a healthy relationship. Yes. When you can do that. Amen. When you can put your significant other, your spouse above yourself and and they do the same you will have a blessed and highly favored relationship Amen. i'm telling you right now but most of us this is what we do we become selfish we say well no i'm not going to do that she don't deserve that he don't deserve that 
And, and we put ourselves up first. Does that sound familiar? Don't go public. Now, here's the thing. You're not the most important person in your relationship. That might be a revelation to some of you couples this morning. You're not the most important person in your relationship. If you view yourself as, well, I'm, I'm the one that holds this relationship together. Nothing gets done without me. And on and on and on. It, I, that might be true in some things. But if that's your viewpoint, your, your relationship is unbalanced. It, the Bible is saying, value others. Value your spouse above yourself. Amen. Be humble. Be humble in yes. this. I pointed this out last week about what men need. Men need respect, right? We said men need respect as well as other things, right? We need control of the remote. We need a bunch of other useless things, right? Come on, that's the truth. But men need this respect. And what I said last week is, women, let me help you right here. One thing, don't correct your spouse in front of others. Don't correct your spouse in front of others. This is women for men. Don't correct your spouse because that a man will define that as total disrespect. That's one of the core values that every man desires to have is Amen. respect. Amen? Amen? Respect and honor. Paul is saying that's how you treat your loved one in this verse. That's how you treat your loved one. With respect, with honor. You humble yourself before your loved one. Yeah. Is that your relationship today? Yes. If not... We know what to do. We know what we're, we're short on, where we fall, where, or where we may be failing. Amen. Remember, love is a decision you make, a lifestyle you choose to live. It's a verb that requires action. Value her, value him first. Don't put your needs above your spouse's needs. And I'm getting ahead of myself here. Verse 4, do not look to your own interests but rather to the interests of others. Yes. Discover and express interest in the interests of your loved one. Yeah, but Pastor Rick, I don't like golf. I don't like bowling. I don't like whatever that may be. I don't like shopping at the Michael Coors store. Whatever it may be. Well, you know what you need to do? The Bible is instructing you to set aside what you don't like. And go and do something with your wife that she may like to do. Man, yeah, yes. some of us don't like to go shopping, right? Yeah. Some of us don't like to go shopping. Others do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But choose to share in your wife's life. Choose to be a participant in your wife's life. And vice versa, women. Yeah, you may not like to, to do this or that. Choose to share. Honey, let's do this. And she may not like watching a football game with you. But she does it because she wants to be with you. Yes. She wants to share time with you. Right? Amen? Because anybody give me a witness there that that's how it works? Amen. Amen. Sacrifice. That sacrifice. When we first dated, my wife and I, she loved going to the city. She still loves going to the city. But she loved the lights of San Francisco and just exploring and walking and just uh, going to the city. Me, on the other hand, I don't like going to the city. Uh, I, I used to go when I was a lot younger, um, and maybe because of experience, I don't know, I just don't like going to the city anymore. But because she did, we would go. We, our first date was in the city. Our very first date, our second date even, um, we would go often to the city. I didn't like it, but I took the time because I valued Anna to do things that she likes to do. Amen. It's sacrificing what you want to do 
for the sake of your loved one. Are you doing that today? Are you doing that tomorrow? That's what a healthy love for a lifetime relationship looks like. Live as if they are more important than you. That's tough. Because the bottom line is, we're naturally selfish. Uh, and I've said this before. What's the first word a little baby says? Mine. Mine. That's mine. We grow up like that. We live life. It's all about me. And it's really not. In a healthy relationship, it's about your spouse. Amen? Amen. And in verse 5, it goes on to say, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's talking about being humble. It's talking about putting your, your wife first, lifting her up, and... and and just submitting to her. Yes. Amen? And, and women, the same to your men. Um, here, here's the other thing that I often see. And you've all seen this. You might have seen this in your car on the way to church this morning. You may be that person that is always right. And when your spouse, when they're telling a story, and you know that's not right, you're quick to correct them. Always quick to correct them. Because you've got to be right. Now, I hear that all the time, you know, um, whether it's in my relationship, and I, I got to get out of the habit too as well, to want to correct it just because of, I feel that that wasn't the way it was done. How many spouses know what I'm talking about, right? You've been there before, you heard that story, you lived it 15 years ago, that's not the way it happened, and you start to correct them, when at the end of the day, does it really matter? Yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what happened 15 years ago doesn't matter what happened last week. What matters is today going forward. What are we doing about it? You can maintain your rights or you can relinquish your rights. You can let go and be loving. You can maintain or you can maintain getting things your way or let go and be loving. To stay in love, you have to learn to let go of your rights and be loving. You know, we live in, a, in, a, in the greatest country in the world. We have rights. We have amendments here given to us through this great constitution that give us the right to do this and that, right? But we take those rights sometimes in a marriage and say, well, I have the right to at the, at the expense of our marriage, uh, to the detriment of our marriage, I should say. And unfortunately, we don't look at the bigger picture of, okay, it doesn't matter if if I correct my spouse right now, I don't have to be right. I need to be loving. Here's what I've always learned. Are my words uplifting? Well said. Are my words lifting up? Because if I'm declaring words that are tearing down, I've gone the wrong way. I've said the wrong thing. Are my words uplifting? If they are, good for you. You're doing a great job. But if your words are tearing down, may the Holy Spirit convict you. Yeah. Amen? The Holy Spirit needs to convict us of that. Because we can't be doing that as Christ believers, as Christ followers. Christ let go of what He deserved so you and I could receive what we don't deserve, which is His unconditional love. 
And, and sometimes the problem may be that you're saying, Pastor Rick, but you don't know what kind of husband I have at home. You don't know what kind of a wife I have at home. He turns into, she turns into, and, and but the Bible says you got to be loving. You got to be loving. It doesn't matter. It didn't say, well, if she's always belittling you, if she's always saying, you always do this, you always do that, or if he's saying, you never, first of all, let's get this right, nobody always and nobody never, those are just extreme exaggerations, okay? Are we good with that? Yes. All right. So we got we to gotta recognize that we have to love our spouse unconditionally. Yeah, they may not deserve that love at that moment, but how many have figured out that when you do love someone in those times, God has this way of reconciling your love for each other, of bringing you closer together. And, and that's, the, that's the solid truth right there. You, you can't have it both ways. You can't uh, be yelling at your spouse, belittling them, tearing them down, and expect your relationship to be built up. It's not going to happen. I want to give you three quick points on staying in love. To have that love for a lifetime relationship. Number one, to stay in love requires that I yield my needs to the one I want to be loving to. Again, don't correct your spouse when she's wrong, when he's wrong. Don't correct them. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, you know it didn't take place that year. You know it didn't take place in San Francisco. You know it took place in Sacramento. And you know it took place two years before. Let it go. Let it go. The story's still going to be good. Amen. You're going to go home together happy. Because when you correct somebody, guess what's going to happen? Someone's not going to be talking to somebody else after that conversation is over. Don't blame them for the wrong. Take the blame yourself sometimes. Yes. Instead of always pointing fingers. You ever figure that out when you point a finger? How many fingers are pointing back at me? That's what I've always been taught. I point a finger, I've got three fingers pointing back at me. Be careful of what you're doing. Don't, don't judge somebody and don't say, you're always doing this. Take the blame yourself. Be the bigger person is what I'm saying. Number two, Christ modeled that you and I must die to ourselves. Whoa, wait a minute. I've got to die? It's talking spiritually here. Spiritually, you have to sacrifice. You have to die. The Bible says, Paul says, take your cross daily. It's a lifestyle of sacrifice. It's a lifestyle of submission. So we must die to ourselves so that there may be an intimate love relationship with the one we love. That's why Christ modeled that for us. So that we may learn how to love one another. Amen? Amen. Again, I'll reference that example of a woman giving instructions to somebody or, or calling out her husband in front of a loud crowd, in front of a, a large crowd. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's going to be World War III. It's going to be World War III right after that. Amen. <laughs> and I'm thankful my wife never does that. I don't do that with her. I, I try not to. And I know she tries not to. So we've, we've established that principle. We don't go there. It's, there's, it's pointless. Pointless. Everybody say pointless. pointless. Yes. You can spend the rest of your life being right or you can be happy. I choose to be happy. I want to live happily ever after. As, as all the books that you read growing up as, as kids, 
And they lived happily ever after in their castle up on, in the mountains, up in the sky, touching heaven, right? They lived happily ever after. I want your relationships to be happily ever after. Again, if you're single here today, when that relationship comes to fruition, when, when you meet that right person that, that the Lord has for you, that's like-minded, same goals, same, same purpose in life, you will have a love for a lifetime relationship. Amen? Amen. You, can, you can't spend the rest of your life winning all the arguments. I mean, you can, but who wants to do that? At the expense of what? Your relationship? At the expense of being happy? Uh, I've seen, I've been around, involved or around marriages that someone's always got to fight. Someone's always got to be the right person. And that just doesn't, somebody's not going to be happy. And I don't want that to be you, amen? Uh, number three, Christ discounted the opportunity to be right so he could be loving to others and have a love relationship. To be loving and to stay loving with his bride, the church. We, the church, are his bride, the Bible says. To be honoring is to treat your spouse with love. Like they are the most important person in the room. That's a challenge sometimes when we know that person that we live with. It's a challenge. I get it. I, I realize not everybody here woke up on the same side of the bed or, you know, with a good attitude. Some of you did. Maybe your spouse didn't. Maybe your spouse was just complaining all the way here. Maybe you're that person that was just complaining all the way here. And yet the Bible says to honor each other like they are the most important person in the world. Wow. Are we doing that, couples? Yes. If you're struggling today, are you doing that? That's a challenge for each of us. Again, love is a verb. It's something you do. It's hard, yes. It's work, yes. It's sacrifice, yes. But is it worth it? Yes. yes. It's yes. worth it. I mentioned to Anna when I first met her and, and when I proposed to her uh, 25 years, almost 25 years ago, I said, I want to grow old with you. I want to sit on a rocking chair and grow old with you. Can you say that to your spouse today? Can you look at them in the eye and tell them, I want to grow, well, maybe you're already old. I want to just rock in a rocking chair with you, <laughs> you know? But I want to get, that's one of my, my goals. That's on my bucket list. And we're shooting, we have the same goal, and we're going to get there. Amen? Amen? Love is a verb, it's something you do. You have to sacrifice. But it's hard work, but it's definitely worth it. 60 years with my parents here in the front, as they said, almost 60, or it is 60 years, hard work, sacrifices. Many times it was hard work, sacrifices. I can recall that. I can recall good times and bad times. For all of them as well as each of you, all of us, my, my marriage included, we have times that are, that are tough. They're going to take more work on our part. And we, sometimes we don't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. But you got to keep going. you got to keep going by faith. You made a covenant with your spouse and with God. Like the video that we played earlier, until death do us part. Yeah. In sickness and in health. I promise to be there for you. I promise and I will continue to be there for you. Amen? Amen. As we get ready to close this morning, it's easy to fall in love 
But if you take these steps of making love a verb, making love a verb, you are on your way to staying in a love for a lifetime relationship. How many want to have that love for a lifetime relationship? Where you, you know you can count on your spouse. She's there for you. You're there for her. That's what a love for a lifetime relationship is all about. And when you do that, God has a way of just blessing your, your relationship with each other and unto your children, unto your family. Amen? Let, let me ask you this morning, and this is to each of you, men, women, does something else come before you or your spouse? Does something else come before you or your spouse? Is your marriage really first in your life? And if you're not sure, just ask your spouse. They'll tell you. They'll straight up tell you what comes before your marriage, before uh, them. And uh, I want you to do that when you go home and get in the car and say, Honey, is there something that I'm putting in front of you that's affecting our marriage? And be honest with them. Be honest. Make your marriage first. Your, your marriage must be, must be first before your children, before your job. Before your school, before your friends, before your smartphone, before your golf game, before your bowling game, before your extra, light, extra late night hours at your work, your marriage comes first. Sometimes making your marriage first means saying no to other things. Yes. Sometimes it means saying no to other things. You have to learn to protect your relationship, because those are called intruders. Intruders are all around us, especially in our day and age nowadays. We are in a busy, fast-paced society. There's so many things going on all around us. People are pulling you left and right, inviting you here, going there. And, and if you're not careful, they're all going to intrude on your relationship between you and your wife. You have to be careful and cognizant of that. Are you protecting? Does your marriage have a boundary around it that's sacred? That, okay, like for in our case, in, in our family, my wife and I have, typically have a date night on Friday nights. So if something comes up on Friday night, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, Pastor Rick, we want to take you guys out to dinner. I'm sorry, we got other plans tonight. You know, or uh, something else, somebody else may say, hey, I got tickets to a, a Niner game, you know. They don't play on Friday nights, but I'm just saying, it could be anything. I'm going to say, no, I can't go. i got a date night. Because that's my priority. Yes. It's my priority. Husbands, wives, are you dating each other? Yeah, dating. Just like you did when you first got married. Are you going on a date once a week? That should be the goal. Once a week. If not, twice a month. If not, once a month. Date. Date. Rekindle that that relationship again. Spend time doing the things that you first did when you first fell in love with each other. Bring them out a glass of Kool-Aid if that's how you first met. I'm talking to my mom and dad on that one. That's how my mom met my dad. That's right. You and I are modeling to our children what marriage is supposed to look like. Did you know that? You and I are modeling to our children what marriage is supposed to look like. They're growing up and they're, and they're, and they're identifying with what you do every day as a couple. Uh, this is how I'm supposed to do it. This is the kind of, listen to this dads, that you have girls. This is the kind of guy I want, my, I want to look for as I get older. Yes. 
Gentlemen, that's what you're teaching your daughters. Gentlemen, whatever it is that you're doing wrong, that's what they're going to look for in a relationship. I promise you. I promise you. You're modeling to your children, to your kids, what they are to look for in a spouse. So the challenge here today is, are you doing that right? Are you putting your spouse first? Are you choosing to be submitting, submissive to your spouse and put them first? Marriage is supposed to be not only a model of what Christ's love is for us, but you're modeling it to your children. You're modeling it to your family. And I want to close with this scripture again that I read earlier. I want to read it one more time. 1 Corinthians 13.4. Did I read that one already? Maybe not. But 1 Corinthians 13.4, yes. I want to read these uh, three verses, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Does that describe your relationship today? I want you as spouses, this is your homework challenge, if you'll take this and accept this. I want you to read that to each other at some point this week. Read those verses to each other. And I want you to really dig that meaning out. And if you know that you're falling short in some of those areas, I want you to work on those. And, and, and watch what happens in your relationship. Sometimes all it takes is for one spouse to hear you say these things. And they fall in love with you all over again. They fall in love with you all over again. And what you're doing is you're making love a verb. You're putting action to your words. You're putting action to your relationship. Again, love. It's all about loving your spouse. Setting aside your needs for the needs of your spouse. Yes. And when you do that, you both end up loving each other. And, and God has a special way of blessing that relationship. Amen? Amen. How many got a handout last week of the love languages? Did you get a handout last week? Uh, there was one given to you if you were here. And um, the love languages look like this. There's a book by Gary Chapman. If you don't have it, I would encourage you strongly as married, marrieds or singles to buy that book. This gentleman, and I'm closing now, this gentleman talks about how we all have five love, love languages that we speak. He's defined them. I'll read them real quick to you. Uh, words of affirmation. Quality time. Receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. What he's saying in this book is that for most people, we can find ourselves in one of those areas. And when you learn what your spouse's language is, it's not about what your love language is. It's about what your spouse's love language is. When you learn what that is, and you do that, your relationship will flourish. And it's not just for your spouse. It's about your children. It's about those that you work with when you know what they're... Because everybody has a love language. Even if you're at work, we all have a love language. Um, my wife's is acts of service. She knows that, it, you know, and I said this last week, when I pull out that vacuum cleaner, I'm the sexiest man on earth right there. If I vacuum, 
you know, I, she's like, oh, wow, falls in love with me all over again, right? If I do household domestic chores, I'm, you know, I'm it. Yeah. And, and I know that. So if I pull out the vacuum cleaner, you know, she's all excited, right? And for others, it may be physical touch. That's what it is for me. I like hugs. I like holding her hand. That's it for me. Uh, it's not words of affirmation, although good job, great job, that's great. You know, some people need to hear that. Yeah. Some people, that's their love language. Yeah. Quality time. It's not about doing anything in particular. It's just spending quality time. That may be your love language. Or receiving gifts. That nice bag from Michael Coors, you know. Be nice, you know, that'd be nice. Just saying, that'd be nice. And that may be your love language. Acts of service and physical touch. Find out if you haven't already, because that was your challenge last week. Find out with your spouse what that is and begin speaking to them in that love language and watch your relationship grow. Watch it grow. But again, I want to challenge each of you to take that relationship to another level. Amen? Amen. And again, you single people, man, this is, this is such a great opportunity for you to discover what the guidelines are and what you should be seeking. Because if, if you're meeting a guy that is, is, he's just selfish, if you're meeting a woman that is just all about them, Try not the guy or the girl. God's got somebody better for you. God's got a love for a lifetime relationship. You don't have to go to Baskin 31 Flavors and try every flavor out. I'm telling you today, that's for somebody. You don't have to do that. God's got a love for a lifetime relationship. Amen? Yes. Amen. Won't you bow your heads this morning? Won't you stand with me this morning as we close? Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you that you, first of all, sent your son to die on a cross. Lord, that should have been me paying the price for my sins. But Lord, you said, no, I'm going to send my son. He's going to pay the price for all of mankind. And by doing that, Lord, I profess belief. I profess my faith in him, in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I've asked you for forgiveness Now you've come and cleansed me. And the Bible says when you cleanse me, you fill me with the Holy Spirit right there. You seal me with your spirit. And Father, because of that, I am now a born again believer. And it's so freeing. It's so liberating. And when we live that life, Lord, of a a believer, of just saying, Lord, I trust you. I, I trust you. I lean not on my own understanding. And in all my ways... You'll direct my paths, Lord, because I'm trusting you rather than me being the person controlling my life. I now ask you, Lord, control my life, lead my life, bless my relationship with my wife. Now I pray bless the relationship here with every person in this room. Lord, bless their relationship with one another as married couples. Bless the relationship, Lord, those that are seeing somebody right now, maybe have a fiance. Uh, Lord, bless their relationship as they incorporate these principles, Lord, into their life. And Father, before we close, I I just want to say this prayer this morning. First, I would ask this question if anybody is here um, that has never accepted the Lord into their life or wants to just recommit their life again to the Lord with every head bowed and eye closed. If that's you this morning and you want to Accept the Lord into your life and and begin this new chapter in your life of following the Lord and having a lifetime filled with blessings. If that's you, raise your hand right now and I want to pray for you this morning.
that's you this morning. If you want to just recommit your life, amen, amen. See your hands, amen. Let's pray. And why don't you repeat these words with me. And, and when you mean these words with your heart, these words are found in Romans chapter 10. And, and when you repeat these words and you pray them, offer them up as a prayer to the Lord, He hears them. And He immediately comes and forgives you. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I confess that I need you. I, I'm sorry for my sins. My wrongdoings, Lord. I believe you sent your son to die on a cross for me. He rose again on the third day to give me everlasting life. Fill me right now, Lord, with your spirit as you forgive my sins. And I thank you right now, Lord. For the gift of salvation. For the gift of reconciliation. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap. He's worthy of your praise. He, he's wanting to remind you this morning. He's wanting to remind each of you that He's right there for you. All you need to do is call on Him. He's right there for each of you this morning. And I pray that your marriages... Each one of you would, would accept these challenges of making your marriage stronger. Yes. You know, um, the worst thing to deal with is divorce. The worst thing to deal with is separation. And when that hits home, it devastates families. It devastates children. It devastates everybody. It doesn't matter what color, where you're from, the good side of the tracks, the bad side of the tracks. It doesn't matter. Money can't make you happy. The only thing that's going to make you happy is when you both pursue Christ and seek what He's given you here and follow that to the best of your ability. Is it going to be easy? No. Is every day going to be perfect from here on out? No. But you're going to have the, the tools to work with in your marriage. When you learn to set yourself down and put your spouse up, lift them up, don't always... Try to challenge them to see who's right. Forget about that. doesn't matter a year from now who's right. doesn't matter 10 years from now. Amen? So let me pray a blessing over your married couples this morning. Father God, I, again, I pray, bless these marriages. Bless these relationships, Lord. As they look to you, as they turn to you for help, Lord, in discovering what it is to have a love for a lifetime. And I pray, Lord, that they would learn every day to pray with each other. To grasp hands together. To lift each other up to you, Lord. And say, Lord, I need you. I need you to bless this relationship. I need you to give us a love for a lifetime. That we might get old and grow old in a rocking chair together. So, Lord, I pray that blessing upon each one here today. And for those singles, those that are not married. That they would discover that person. Who that person is in their life. Because, God, you have a purpose. You have a plan for each one of us. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.